2109. It's a number that has seemed to get bigger and bigger with each of the 43 passing years since it was initially run, and every talented, hardworking runner to take aim at it along the way. Every year there would be renewed buzz. Maybe this would be the year that it happens. Well, here we are. That 21009 has now been knocked down to a 209.25. Fukuoka has now turned to the Toronto waterfront, and where we used to see the name Jerome Drayton, we now see one Cameron Levins. While for many years this has just seemed like an inevitability, Cam's story is not one just made up of a British Columbian who ran big mileage and did well in college. It's really a tale of setbacks and comebacks, falling down and the persistence needed to get back up. On this week's show, we chat with Cam Levins, the new Canadian marathon record holder. We'll also chat with Alan Brooks, the race director of the Scotia Toronto Waterfront Marathon, and he'll offer his perspective on the day's events. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Twitter and Instagram, a Tracky Radio production. Alan Brooks is the race director of the Canada Run Series, a premier lineup of races in Canada, including the Scotia Waterfront Marathon, where Cam set the national record. We chatted with him earlier this week. All right, so I know, you know, going to past Scotia Toronto Waterfront Marathons, that race day is a day that is incredibly busy for you. You are always on your feet, you're always moving, that sort of stuff. However, with, you know, with what potentially could happen and what eventually did happen, I, I wonder how much of how much of the race were you able to keep your eye on and, and you know, really get a sense for how things were going out on the course? Well, you know, I, I think whether you're running the race or organizing the race, you, you've always got those nervous feelings, you know. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, a good friend in Rotterdam Marathon uh, organizing group uh, said he was fine uh, leading up to race time till he heard the sound of the helicopters overhead. And that meant the live television broadcast was starting and his stomach started to churn. So uh, I, I think that's how, you know, how we all get organizing it. And I have a lot of a lot of roles on race day, as you mentioned, being with the mayor at the start line uh, and then getting over to the finish and checking a whole bunch of things, saying hello to sponsors uh, and the Athletics Canada crowd. So I try, I keep my eye on things a little bit, but I, I guess I'm at the point where I'm checking the splits like crazy on the app uh, and looking at the splits and looking at the splits. But I'm also trying, trying to keep myself busy with the other stuff because, you know, these are lifetime moments uh, like Cam's race this year. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, we We've been so close before a couple of times uh, that, that, you know, it, 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 it's good to, to stay a little distracted too, uh, at least till uh, camp passed the 40K. And then I was all over the big screen and, and everything and chatting with people and sort of starting to jump up and down a bit. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, you know, I was going to ask about that. I mean, your race has produced so many big moments. Um, one that comes to mind is is the big countdown when, when Eric Gillis uh, qualified for the Olympics at the Scotia-Toronto Waterfront Marathon. I, I have to think this this ranks up really, really high as as far as, you know, moments to happen. Uh, absolutely, it does. Uh, uh, you know, I'm... I'm I've been doing this for over 30 years now. And, you know, we, when we started, people said, oh, no one will ever run a, uh, a sub-210 in Canada. And then we got the 2930 in 2007 and the 208, the 207, the 206. Lanny got the women's mark. Ed Whitlock got all those incredible age group world records. We had Fauja Singh. Uh, doing his 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 amazing stuff, but that that national men's record that somehow just seemed elusive, just seemed out of reach, uh, and you know Reed and Eric came so close, tantalizingly close, but but never quite got there, uh, and so yeah, this, this is a massive moment and. Uh, one of the very, very most special moments. I think Cam made it that way himself, too. That, you know, he had his coach, Eric Kuhl, there. He had his, his mom and dad, Gus and Bob, there. Uh, he coached his younger brother, Jordan, who ran and got the sub-three-hour marathon, too. So there was a, just a massive sense of occasion. Uh, to it all at the finish line there with the family, the coach, uh, and and the record. Yeah, you know, Cam actually mentioned that in uh, in his interview. You know, having having the family so so close um, at the finish line was something that that he held very very special. And you know, I, I think I noted that probably one of your races is the only race in the world where, where something like that would happen, you know, where you have this, uh, you know, almost a, a national hero sort of welcome and, and having the family right there at the finish. How, how was that accomplished? I, I mean, is that something that you put some thought into uh, beforehand? Sure. Well, well, I, I think that when we started out again, I used to go to Boston. We always go to Boston, to New York, to London, I went to London a lot through the 90s and, and onwards. And marathon weekend in those cities was always like a, a Super Bowl Sunday, a Super Bowl weekend. Everyone in the sport was there. You know, you went to Boston and there was Bill Rogers and there was Frank Shorter. Uh, uh, and you turned up in London and there was Steve Jones or, uh, uh, you know, the legends of the sport. Uh, uh, Paula was there. Uh, and it, it was just a showcase for the sport. And everyone had to be there. Uh, and I guess I, I thought to myself, we really need something like that in Canada that is our Canadian Super Bowl marathon where everyone from coast to coast wants to be there for the weekend. Natasha Wodak wants to fly in on her own dime so she can run the first half with Kinsey Middleton. 
uh, you know, Cam's family uh, uh, wanting to be there, uh, you know, people from, from every province. And just an amazing celebration of, of the marathon, of the sport of running in, in our country and in our city. And it's been, it's been a long road. To, you know, it'll be our 20th anniversary for the full marathon next year. But uh, I think there's that desire to build that kind of a, uh, an iconic race. But also, we're not London. We don't have a $50 million budget. Uh, and, and I think we are a smaller scale, friendlier event. And a, an event that's built a reputation for making careers. Uh, I think we've seen, you know, I think Kem was quoted the day uh, on Let's Run uh, that I kept thinking that last 10 kilometers, I've got my career back. I've got my career back. And I remember um, in, in 2010, Sharon Cherop came to our race. She'd only run 2.28 before, and then she ran that amazing 2.22.43. Uh, and on the back of that, she got a start place in Boston the next spring, where she was second in Boston 2011. And then she won Boston 2012. And I remember being at the press conference uh, for Boston there, and a coach called her over after the, uh, uh, the presser and said, hi, Sharon, you know, come on, say hello to Alan again. Remember Alan from, from Toronto? That's where it all began for you. And, and so as well as making it, you know, the sort of Super Bowl Sunday marathon for Canada, we... We wanted to provide that sort of friendly environment, as much support as we possibly can uh, to, to help athletes, international athletes, but especially our Canadian athletes to advance their careers, to be able to show they can compete in a world-class race, in a world-class field. And maybe we'll see Cam next spring in London or in Boston, uh, and you know he'll he'll continue to to develop his running career. Now he has it back. Well, you mentioned uh, the fields, and and I think that they've almost been forgotten just because of you know what Cam did. But you put together, oh, man, you put together some really really great fields this year. You know, was was there any stories behind that? You know, there's some really big names there. Yeah, well, I, I, I think I mentioned to a couple of people on the race weekend, you know, we've had sponsorship from Scotiabank for 22 years now, and that's been absolutely phenomenal. It, it's given us the stability and, you know, a little bit more and a little bit more when we show that we can deliver a little bit more each year. It's given us that stability to, to concentrate on the race, building the race, growing the race, uh, and as well as that long-term stability from Scotiabank. This year we got uh, a nice sponsorship from KLM. Uh, and so about 20 uh, of the Kenyan athletes, 19 of them, I think, 
came over uh, on tickets from KLM. And, and that probably saved us forty or $50,000 that we were able to reinvest uh, in, in improving the quality of the event again uh, in the, the, the elite athlete program. So, yeah, when you look at the people that, that can be, you know, Jake Robertson, who was an absolute thrill and a pleasure to have here, even though uh, the cold uh, really, really got to him those last few kilometers. Uh, Stephen Kiprikic, Olympic and world champion. These are all people that, that you know, came to the line uh, against on, on October the 21st, and he beat them. Uh, so I'm sure now uh, he has that confidence uh, uh, that he, he, what he did and used to do on the track, he can now do in the marathon. You know, I, I want to go back uh, about a year, a year and a little bit. Cam Levins was supposed to run the half marathon uh, at your event, unfortunately, had a little bit of an injury then, and uh, he, I believe, hopped in the in the in the lead vehicle to get a preview of of what the course was. I'm I'm kind of interested. Looking back now, did he say anything to you afterwards? You know, anything about the course um, and and his time out there? No, not really. Um, it, it's something that you know. I've been talking to Cam and talking to his his manager Ray Flynn. Oh, I suppose for about three years now. Uh, so, 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 you know, like the marathon itself, it's something that definitely required patience for all of us. And, you know, Cam wanted to get back to full fitness. Uh, and, you know, he, he didn't want to come into something and do a, you know, a half-baked job. He wanted to come to the marathon and have a strong debut uh, uh, and I think it, it did that for him. It did everything I, I hoped that he hoped to get, get his confidence back and get his career back on track. So we arranged last year, yeah, that he'd, he'd come and run the half just to get a feel for, you know, being in our race hotel, how our setup works, the meals, the, the whole race day thing, you know, on the bus and going into the athlete holding area. Uh, the whole setup, uh, and as you said, he had a little bit of a, an injury concern co- coming in, and Cam, being the great guy he is, he let us know, uh, uh, you know, uh, a few days, a week or so in advance uh, that it was touch and go, and we said, well, come anyway, uh, and, you know, maybe you can, if you're on the lead vehicle, you'll you'll get to see the course, you'll get to see the race, uh, and I'd like to think that, that you know, he, he talked about uh, the paces, like we had two paces to run Cam's pace uh, in the sort of Group B uh, to go out at around 2.9 to 9.30 pace. Um, uh, and uh, he was saying to me earlier this year, uh, having seen the race last year, he wanted to be a little bit quicker the first half and maybe normally he would because he knew now that the first half of the course is a little bit quicker than the back half. So uh, it was just something, again, of it's a partnership. It's a partnership between us as the event, the athletes, the athlete managers, 
uh, and and we all need to work together to make sure we have a great race and the athletes can develop their own personal careers. You know, uh, you, you know Jerome Drayton probably better than, than most people do because he he's one of those guys who's just so hard to get a hold of. Um, I'm sure you've heard he, he got in touch with Cam uh, shortly after the race. They had a, had a good talk about training and that sort of things. Um, have you heard from, from Jerome? Uh, like, how, how does he feel about the race? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. As you say, uh, Jerome is a very private person, and I think it's fantastic that uh, it's my understanding he reached out right after the uh, the race uh, and wanted to get in touch with Cam and congratulate him and connect with him. Uh, so I, I, I think Cam could probably answer that question uh, better, Michael. Uh, as, uh, I built the stage... Uh, our team built the stage, uh, uh, and uh, uh, they were some of the past and present stars uh, on it. They connected directly, so I, I think that's really, uh, really special that that happened, and I'm certainly glad that it did. One last one for you, because uh, I, kn- I know you're in uh, you're in the middle of something, but I have to know it's been such a monumental year for for the women's side as well too, uh, just showing a lot of depth in Canadian women's marathon running. Um, is that is that going to be a focus for for next year's race? Do you think? Well, I think next year we're already excited. Uh, it's road to Tokyo, of course, uh, and we, you know we're expecting, hoping that Toronto Waterfront will will be a key selection race uh, on the road to Tokyo. So we're hoping we have a wonderfully strong Canadian men's and women's field uh, uh, with, uh, again, a real quality international field uh, to to give them people to run against and measure themselves uh, as they will have to in Tokyo in a world championship uh, on, a, on a world stage. Uh, not not just on a, a local or a national one. So, yeah, I was in Berlin uh, as a spectator, uh, had a bicycle, rode around the course a bit, pedaled like crazy to get back to the finish to see Elliot finish. Um, and it was just amazing and, and so, so exciting to see uh, what Rachel Cliff did, what Lindsay Tessier did, uh, to see uh, 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 Sasha Golish uh, giving it a go out there. Uh, and then at Waterfront, of course, Rachel Hannah came back, not happy with her run in, in Berlin, uh, and ran 2.36 and was, you know, really encouraged by that. Uh, Kinsey's debut, uh, you've got to think there's so much more in the tank there. Uh, Leslie Sexton, um, you know, is in the mix there. Uh, uh, Dana Pidoreski, uh, uh, uh I think, yeah, hopefully we can, we'll certainly be uh, sending out the invitations to all of them to, to uh, come, come race Toronto Waterfront next fall, and uh, we hope it'll be like we planned from the beginning, a showcase for the marathon and Canadian marathoners on our soil in our country uh, so uh, we hope it'll be 
uh, our anniversary year too. I mentioned 30 years for the uh, the event as a whole, 20 for the full marathon. So uh, we hope to have a really big show and uh, tons of people in the marathon, tons of spectators out there. Uh, so uh, keep running, everybody. I gotta say, you know, watching watching that event this year, it was it just left me with this this feeling of inspiration and going home on, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, a real runner's high uh, afterwards. It was it was truly something to special, something special to to watch. And uh, you know, I'm I'm a gl- I'm glad that you're a part of this scene, uh, and th- and that you've built up this marathon. It truly is something special, and uh, you know, it's something that that we all can be very, very thankful for. And, uh, you know, thanks thanks for being on the show this week, Alan. Oh, you're really welcome, Michael. And, and, and you know, as I said a few minutes ago, none of us can do this on our own. And, and so I think that's the most exciting thing, that, you know, it, it, it's the high-performance athletes, uh, the crew runners, the club runners, the lifestyle runners, you know, the five or 6,000 charity runners that we have, everyone's come together to create something uniquely Canadian and, and special in Canada, and it takes all of us. So, you know, I, I thank you uh, and all the media that, that cover the event and, and, you know, tell our stories, tell all these stories. Uh, and everyone that's been part of it, from the sponsors to the runners uh, to the over 3,000 volunteers we had, uh, it was a show. And uh, watch out, next year's going to be bigger and better. NCAA champion and Olympian Cam Levins can now add Canadian marathon record holder to that already impressive resume. Cam, in his debut marathon, ran a 209.25 marathon at this year's Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon a few weeks ago. We started our chat with the Hoka One One runner by talking about what he was going through in the minutes after the elation of crossing the finish line. So I, I think to start, we should paint a little bit of a picture. Um, you know, it was it was a very cold morning in, in Toronto. Uh, from from where I was in, in the photography pit, uh, you know, your face pops up on this giant screen and, you know, you're about 200 meters out. There was a little bit of silence at first, which kind of confused me. But, you know, as soon as people realized just what was happening, really the, the crowds erupted and, you know, you came around the corner, you crossed that line. And I just, you know, there's there's those pictures that have been popping up, you know, all around the web, you know, they're on the front of newspapers and that sort of stuff just this look of pure triumph and, and pure elation. Um, what the cameras didn't really catch was what happened in the minutes after, where, I, I don't know, I think your, your facial expression changed a little bit. And, you know, I know in the media pit you were talking about, you know, it just being very, very overwhelming. You know, given that there's been almost two weeks now since that moment, can you really describe what was going on in your head, you know, in, in those minutes after the marathon finished? Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, I'm sorry. First of all, thank you for having me on the show, uh, <laughs> on your podcast. I, uh, I, oh, I'm very interesting questions sorry, that I, uh, but I just wanted to thank you for being on the show. Oh, pleasure's um, all mine, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I, th- I think a lot of what was going through my mind at that point is uh, kind of just accepting what happened. There had just been uh, my family and my wife and I had talked a lot about this and uh, there's been, had been a lot of time training and getting ready and it just felt like everything had come together at the right time before this race and I was prepared to prepared for things to go well and it just it just happened you know it was kind of this acceptance like wow it actually all came together at the right time you know I wanted to do well in Canada in this uh, marathon take on the Canadian record and it just just felt like the culmination of so much so many things that like happened beforehand and uh yeah it was it was overwhelming and emotional um having my entire family there and just it it just felt like it'd been a really long time coming and a lot of work leading up to it and uh, it's just thrilling I mean, there, there's, there's a ton to break down there. Uh, you know, I want to start with, with the family who you mentioned, and, you know, that that was just so cool. You know, I, I can only think that this would happen, you know, at a CRS race or you know at a race in Canada, but you know, they're they're beside me, you know, in in their own little sectioned off area, right beside the finish line was, you know, your wife. Uh, your mom, your dad. Uh, I'm I'm told uh, your coach was was pretty nearby there as well, but they were right right beside in a very restricted area as well too. W- was that all planned? Did you know about that? And and man, that had to be something special when you crossed the line. Um, I, I guess they kind of like broke into the restricted area to, <laughs> to get where they were. Uh, funny enough, so um, I'm certain that was not planned because I think they got in a little bit of trouble for it, uh, but. It was it was great having them there. I mean, I, I I hardly knew what was going on after the race. You know, I just I just knew that they were there, and uh, I was glad that they got to be some of the first people that I saw, um, and uh, celebrate with. And I, I think um, the race wanted to have my family nearby if, you know, if I ended up breaking the record, so uh, you know that could happen. And um, the media could experience us, us celebrating together as well. But uh, I am so just so thankful that I uh, got to share that moment with them because I mean, they went through all the moments beforehand, you know, they, they, uh, they went through all the hard stuff. So I'm glad they can enjoy the fun part too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been, you know, it's it's been a. I'm I'm gonna say it, it's it's been a rough couple of years for you. You know, since uh, <laughs> yeah. since the that national championships. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if you follow along with with what's on the boards. I really hope not, um, because you know there hasn't <laughs> been a lot of positivity there. You know, it's it's just been you know people calling, you know, the demise of your career for years. Uh, you know, I, I think the phrases, you know, reports of my death have been have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> right. But yeah. You, yeah. Uh, sorry. Keep going. I, I mean, like, like I got to wonder about that because, you know, there was so many people who had no belief in you coming back. And at a certain point, you have to wonder how you yourself, you know, were able to scrounge that together. Because let me tell you, the marathon is not an easy mental race. How are you able to put it together like that? Um, you know, over the last couple of years here, um, 
it felt like after surgery, it, it felt like starting at zero. You know, I don't know how else to put it. My, my first bit of running um, uh, back from it was five minutes, like a couple times a week. And that, that was difficult. It was difficult for me to run that amount. And uh, my first workout was, um, I mean, I've said this uh, a few times before, but um, it was attempting to do a mile and a half tempo and falling off the pace and, and not very, like a very, very difficult pace. Uh, this especially before surgery, but even something that I didn't think would be astronomically difficult afterwards, you know, I still couldn't handle that. And so it was just, it was a long climb back out of that. And, you know, every few months I'd often get to this point where it felt hopeless and, you know, my, my wife or my family would have to kind of pull me out of it and, uh, I mean, I say, or my family, especially my wife, because she was there always, you know, and um, let me know that, hey, like, you're not where you want to be, but look where you were and look where you are now. You've moved forward and uh, you just have to be thankful for that. And um, I, I guess my point being is it wasn't always me that was overcoming it. You know, it was my family uh, helping me overcome it. And, um, Getting into the actual marathon race, that's that's the easy part for me. I mean, I've always been a competitive guy and competitive racer, and I like to think that if I am prepared to, I can uh, step up to the plate and take whatever pressure or whatever is there. Um, and I mean, for most of that race, it was easy for me to stay focused in and uh, um the marathon itself is easy enough to split up um, by basically bottle stations is how I do it. Uh, it really divides up the race well. And um, I really just had to like zone out for most of it, then buckle down the last 10 or 12 kilometers. And by that point, it's a race that I've done a million times before. You know, that, that leads to a, another question, maybe a little more short term is you know, like in, in the big workouts uh, leading up, you know, there it can often be a lot of doubt, especially going into that debut marathon. Was there a point in your training where, you know, you finished a workout, you know, just knocked it out of the park and you said, yeah, no, I, th I think I think I can do this and I think I can do it at this pace? Um, I did a uh, marathon workout was a marathon workout. All of them are marathon workouts. And I did a long run um, uh, back in Portland a little bit before my Philadelphia half marathon um, in the middle of September. And I ran it um, at like 520 pace for 24 miles. And I finished the last four hard. And um, I mean, I still would go on to do better workouts after that. But that was my first step of like, oh, like that, you know, that really wasn't like that difficult. I'm actually getting like closer to the pace I potentially want to take on. Like, yeah, I, I'm going to be able to do this. You know, like, I, like I'm, I think the 520 in itself is maybe close to 220 or 219 ish, something in that for the marathon. And so I was, I was like, well, you know, if I can do that in practice, like surely I can handle a better pace in the race. And it's not like I just, you know, completely uh, like, I went into the well to do that sort of workout. It's just like, it, it just felt natural. I, by that point I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I've got another six weeks. I'm going to be, 
I'm going to be good to go. Now I'm going to jump in here quickly. In the preparation for Cam's Marathon, he reached out to Reed Coolset, the Canadian Marathon phenom, as well as Ryan Vale, a 210.55 marathoner in Portland. Now, I mistakenly had heard that he had reached out to Ryan Hall. This wasn't the case, but Cam expanded on what he had heard. Ryan has been great uh, the last couple of years here just for general training advice and just seeing what he's done in his builds. Um, but particularly what I've reached out to both of them about um, has been more related to the actual taper the last couple of weeks, um, making sure I was not doing too much, too little. I just was really kind of nervous and felt particularly inexper- inexperienced with that. And I just wanted to get sort of as many viewpoints as I could to make sure like at that point I felt I was really fit and I just wanted to make sure I got to the starting line as prepared as I could be and, you know, did everything, everything right. Um, and Reed is, was really interesting in that beyond that question, I feel like he answered so many other questions through other interviews that he did. Like, it felt like every interview someone asked him, Oh, like if you could give advice to cam or like, what do you think about him debuting? And I'm like, I'm sorry that my topic is hijacking all your interviews. <laughs> first of all, but thank you for all this advice from afar. You know, it's actually really useful. He often would say different things. And I'm like, you know, I've gotten like a whole bunch of good info from just not even actually directly asking you, just other people asking in my stead, essentially. Um, so, but yeah, no, both, both guys are great on top of a lot of other people, but those uh, are my big sources of, information close to the race especially you know speaking of, of marathoners that that you were chatting with um you, you know i heard you mention on on rob watson's show that um jerome drayton actually gave you a call which is i mean the, the for historians of the sport you know for people who have followed along with him that's uh that's really something he seems to be like a real introvert and, and someone who's really hard to get a, a hold of what what did he have to say uh, yeah, I mean, he's a really <laughs> fascinating guy, and it was—I mean—it was a huge honor for him to call and want to chat with me. Uh, I'm fairly certain he still follows the sport decently. He seemed to know a good amount of uh, training, like the type of training that I did, because his main uh, conversation is like, "Hey, this is what else I think you should try and do with your training." Mm-hmm. It's like this is kind of what I did. So he's just giving me advice, which is which is awesome. Like. Uh, and it's just, it's, yeah, it's incredibly fascinating to know the sort of stuff that he did. Um, but yeah, I mean, but on top of just, you know, a congratulations, but that, that was what most of our conversation was, um, which I, I appreciate. He was kind of just like down to business with that. And that was, it was, it was awesome. It, it was really, really cool. And he seems like a very, very, uh, neat person. That's for sure. You know, a lot of the narrative, um, you know, post your marathon was, was, you know, referencing the kind of, it's, it's almost become a bit of running folklore, you know, the, the huge, huge mileage that you were putting in, in college. And, you know, people were, were drawing that line between, you know, he was, he was running close to 200 miles a week. So therefore, obviously he'd be, he'd be really good at the marathon. Um, I don't know the, the way I saw it though, is that, you know, you were running that mileage, not to run that mileage, but to, you know, chase an end of running faster, of, of being faster on the track and that sort of stuff. So that's why when I see, you know, the 209.25, I think, 
I'm thinking that that's not quite the end for you. That's not the end game here for you. What are you hoping to achieve in the marathon before you, you know, eventually hang up the shoes? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think um, I, I like to hope that my debut is not what my PR ends up being for my entire career. <laughs> um, and I mean, I definitely felt good entering this race to where if I had entered basically any other competition that wasn't a marathon, I probably would have just went out with the leaders and tried to win the race. Like I, I felt really, really fit in that regards. I mean, like, um, but with a marathon, there's a lot of unknown. And I really felt like I wanted to get in my first one to where, um, where I didn't have any like questions of what it would be like after that. And I mean, I, I've been asked before, it's like, what do I want to get out of this first marathon? Uh, or out of now, you know, obviously it's done now, but what I wanted to get out of it. And um, my big thing that I always said was I wanted to walk away uh, with the desire to do more afterwards with that great experience. And I think um, with, you know, going out conservatively, running my own race, getting a feel for the race, and ultimately enjoying it is that desire. You know, I've, I've had a good one. And it makes me want to do more, you know, immediately. And I think going out really aggressively and, you know, perhaps not even finishing if that that happened uh, can really put a damper on that and really potentially almost stay with you in like a state of like mental scarring. You know, it's like suddenly you have a fear associated with the event instead of a joy associated with it. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> That being said, I know the question was more, how fast do I think I can go? I mean, ultimately, I don't know. I, I think the next one I do, I want to have the opportunity to just go out and race it, see how I can challenge up front in whatever it is, um, and ultimately sort of see where that puts me next. You know, I, I think no matter what, I just want to, like I wanted to be on the track, competitive at the event with the best in the world and well 209 is a great time it's it's not to that point yet we we know what the world record is <laughs> and you know it's well away from that still and i mean if i want to be competitive at an international level outside of that i mean i have to be more like 204 205 so i mean i think ultimately i need to get down into that range and when you get down to that range i don't know where the limits become if you're able to do something like that so you talked about doing, um, you know, a spring marathon. I'm, I'm kind of wondering after that answer, are you thinking more of like something like, like a Rotterdam or a London where, you know, you would just go, you know, you have that opportunity to go super, super fast, or would you be looking more to, you know, be there for the race at, you know, a place like, like Boston, for example? Uh, I think I need to get experience in both cases at some point, And I don't know which one's going to come next. But uh, I think in either the spring or fall, both those kind of choices exist. If that makes sense, I mean, there's going to be fast ones or uh, ones akin to a Boston where it's more championship style, I would call it. Um, and so, I, I mean, I don't really know which one I'm going to do next or which is sort of the better choice at this point. But um, yeah, I mean, I need to 
get both sides of that in my experience in the marathon. You know, speaking of courses, um, it was a year before you ran the marathon this year. Um, you were supposed to run the half marathon, but I believe uh, I bumped into you just before that, and you said you are going to hop into the lead truck and, and go and see the course. Now, that's that's something that, that is fairly common, you know, um, in the elite marathoning world uh, to preview a course before, before you run it. What what are your thoughts on on this on the Toronto course? You know, like I I think it's a pretty speedy course, but you know, what were what were your opinions? Um, yeah, I think my thoughts on it, especially before running it, were that it's an especially fast course, and there's some pretty good times running it over the years. I think really the only thing that plays against it that surprised me a little bit is the last 10k of the course. Uh, with generally, I guess the way the wind goes across the city you usually face the wind entering that last 10K. And for the most part, that's sort of a good thing across this course because much of it goes with the wind Hmm. or like, you know, through the middle of the race. But when you're in the most difficult, most tired section of the race, you're going back against the wind and kind of hitting the most climbs there are like, or some of the most climbs you have in the course, at least felt that way. And so I think that can be a really rough thing when you're, exhausted for me you know i think i uh was feeling good enough and um you know had sort of the um what's the word i'm looking for here uh, well i had good motivation on, on the course from people around me and i had momentum with me uh to where i i could cover it well but you know a person like we went past john career during that section he was in a really difficult time ultimately caught Jake uh, at the end of the race. And it's like trying to handle that section can be really rough when you're tired. And I think it also was also just a lot colder on that section of the course too, which I think ultimately uh, led to Jake's problems as well. So it's just, it's, it's not exactly what I thought it would be, but I wouldn't call it a slow course by any means, just more difficult than I sort of anticipated. For for people who maybe aren't super familiar with the course, there's uh there's a there's a couple um, you know almost like 360 degree sort of turnarounds where you can really gauge where your competition is, um, really get a good shot because you're running I don't know I guess against them for kilometers at, at a time. Did you did you kind of use that as as motivation? Like how, how did you play those those sorts of things? Did you use them strategically? I mean honestly, I truly felt like I just stayed out of the actual like competitive side of the race. I mean, besides, I just felt like I was competing against myself in a clock mostly. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't know what place I was in as I, as I came into the finish, I had no clue. Um, I mean, about the only time that I actually started chasing after another athlete is about three K left. And someone told me that I was, uh, gaining on Jake Robertson. And, uh, but up to that point I was just, running based on how I felt, uh, you know, trying to get the best time that I could and just started running my own race regardless of what was going around. Um, and I mean, that's why when I talk of races to come, I'd like to, you know, experience ones not like that, you know, where I just, uh, have to compete and react to the race and learn how to do that. Um, or at least at very least gain experience doing it. Maybe I already have an affinity for it. I don't know, but yeah, uh, I think 
I think the marathon's an interesting event in that regard. And interesting in that you don't necessarily always know where other athletes are <laughs> if you are a ways back. You just like you may stand a chance of catching someone, you know, miles later in the course um, and just not even see them. There was, um, you know, for anyone who was watching the feed uh, or, you know, who were on the course that day, uh, they would see that, that you had someone to run with for, you know, some pretty critical parts uh, of that run. Um, I believe believe his na- name was Daniel Daniel Mesfun. Uh, yeah. Per- perhaps uh, correct me. I, I believe you guys are best buddies now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, did you, did you get to chat with him him after the race just because... I, I just feel like you guys are, are probably pretty linked, you know, after that, like after, after going through that entire race and, and, you know, being in close proximity, he got a really great time out of it too. Yeah, he, he did. Uh, yeah, I'm super, super thankful for that guy. Uh, and I mean, I, I really just knew him as Daniel, uh, by the end of the race, but, um, yeah, you know, early in the race, he was bugging me a little bit. I felt like he was sort of cutting me off of these pacers and I, I didn't actually know initially that he was doing the full marathon uh, so i'm like is this one of the half guys like getting him <laughs> like getting in the way on these pacers what's going on um and then as we came up with the half point and he started uh he was fueling i was like oh okay now i think this guy's in it for the full thing but uh like i didn't i didn't realize anyone else was going to be coming out uh with this pace group and so just as the race went along he just continued to hang in there and looked great and then uh he started taking off at 30k and he sort of got us going on the switching back and forth kind of motion for me to uh, take the lead. And I did. And then he would take it back after I was holding it for a while. And it was just back and forth. And I mean, like, I, I'm certain I could have, couldn't have done as well as I did without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful he got a good time out of it as well. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it is interesting how, um, I, I, I'm starting to think of, road races and I guess marathon specifically that there's a certain appreciation for having gone through the prep that it takes to be ready to run a good marathon uh, where there kind of is that that link that it's like you know everyone's uh, it's easy to sort of like work together to try and do well um, where it may not happen as much in shorter events and it's just it's it's really it's a really cool attitude i think among a lot of these athletes uh, that you don't see as much uh, on the track well you know i i really don't think that we could ask for a much better ambassador for the sport uh you know based on on what we've seen over the past two weeks but you know over your entire career i mean you know at this point you know you're you're an olympian um, you know, you're an NCAA champion. You are now a Canadian record holder. I do have to ask you one more question though, because there was a tweet that popped up today. Will you be a, um, will you be the 2018 Canadian cross country champion? Oh man. Uh, I, I've thought about this a lot over the whole year here. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I really would like to get back into cross country at some point here. And uh, before making this build towards this marathon, uh, even before the marathon, I thought maybe I'd be able to bounce back from it quick enough to come back and run cross. But there's 
there's no way. There's just no possible way I'm going to be ready to run the championship. I mean, I, I haven't even started running since the marathon. I'm planning to start back up here in a couple of days, but there's just there's no way. I, I would love to somehow make my way to World XC or whatever, but I, I'm not going to be running the Canadian Championships unless there's some, you know, change in qualifying. I don't know. There's it's not happening this year, unfortunately, um, uh, which is a shame. You know, I, I like cross. I, I'd love I'd love to compete against um, athletes over that sort of terrain and competition type again. But I don't know when that's going to happen again. We'll see. Well, I guess we'll put you down as a maybe then. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, it's actually it's interesting. I, I don't think I really had this sort of appreciation for seeing a guy like Reed Coolsat bounce back from marathons and running uh, XC uh, in the years that he has, and as it's definitely uh, helped me understand just how difficult it is to do that. Uh, and I, I know he's sort of made the choice yes or no based on the years, but you know he, I, I think he has in the past uh, made it. Uh, like decently ready for the Canadian cross country camp championships after a marathon, like even close to when this one was run and, you know, still been ready. And it's just very, very impressive. Um, but it's not happening for me this year. Before we, before we end this off, I do, do want to do one more thing. Um, if you just want to give uh, a quick shout out to your sponsor, cause I mean, they, they're a big part of this story as well too. They, they really rolled the dice um and and they came up pretty big but uh you know maybe talk about talk about uh you know some of the shoes you you've enjoyed to to wear and and that sort of stuff as well too from from hoka yeah thank you for giving me the opportunity yeah they that's very true they they picked me up in a point in my career that um you're right it, it truly could have went either way i could have i, I could have um just <laughs> been a waste of their money basically you know what if i uh truly found out i wouldn't be able to compete at an elite level again after surgery and i'd be locked in they'd be locked into a contract with me here and um i'm just so thankful that they uh decided to take me on and um able to support me and take that stress off me to uh um be able to train full-time and uh, get rolling again. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think I've even said the name of them yet. Um, they're Hoka One One and, uh, it's a running, uh, specialty company, uh, shoe sponsor and, uh, their, their shoes are fantastic. They've been, uh, just a fantastic choice post service, post, uh, surgery for me as well on my foot. Um, I, my legs have not felt really ever as good as stepping into these shoes and putting in the kind of mileage that I do and not having my legs feel so beat up from it. Um, and I originally was running in something called the Hoka, uh, the Clifton and, um, it's a great shoe and I was thrilled with it for a starter, uh, one that I switched over to their newer shoe this year called the Kavu, uh, C-A-B-U and they're fantastic. Um, I, I think I like them in that they're sort of a good mix from, what I originally um, used, 
more in like a combination with the sort of technology and choices Hoka makes with their shoes. And um, it's just a really good balance for what I like. I, I think it's sort of flatter through the full shoe where a lot of Hoka shoes tend to have kind of a rolling motion to them, hmm. um, which I mean, I think like I, I didn't have any issues with when I was running in the Clifton, but for what I like to do for the type of training I do, uh, I think this has been a better choice and um yeah, it's, it's felt great and I've been healthy in them, which is, uh, you know, I, I think I can speak to the last couple of years. Uh, that's a, it's a great thing to be able to run and be, you know, uh, relatively pain-free much of the time and, uh, continue to stay so and move forward with fitness. And that's been awesome. And, uh, I've been racing in something called the carbon rocket, um, and it's a new shoe coming out in the spring of 2019. So I've been running in sort of their uh, guest prototype at this point. Um, and I, I think it um, uh, bears similarity to what uh, some of other marathon shoes are moving towards now. Um, that's been sort of uh, originally, I think, technology developed by Nike's 4% uh, with the carbon plate through it. And um, it's, I don't know, I had no issues with it in the marathon. Uh, in Toronto, they felt good. I don't, I don't necessarily know how much I buy into the um, carbon plate being this like massive difference in shoes, but um, I ran great in them. So I have no complaints about it. And, it, you know, that no foot pain for 26 miles. That's great. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, they've, they've been good. And I, I should also speak to more recently, I've, uh, partnered up with polar watches and, uh, once again, they, I mean, I, I hadn't ran this marathon yet. You know, they, they picked me up when I still hadn't done anything too particularly, um, impressive. And so I, uh, I'm glad they stuck their neck out for me as well. And I've, uh, enjoyed their watches so far and, uh, um, still getting used to the new technology on it, but uh, there's been a lot of different choices on it. I'm still trying to work through and figure out that it's, I think that's probably a good thing. <laughs> they have a lot of options on them. So it's, it's well, been good. It's been good all around. Well, uh, all I can say is that I'm glad that they, that those guys all, all picked you up as well too. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we got to, got to witness this moment this year and um, man it was it was just such an incredible feeling to you know to watch you come across that line and i'm i'm sure i i speak for everyone who listens to the show when i say you know congratulations and and welcome back cam uh you know thanks so much for for being on the show and for being on everyone's show man you are you have been a warrior this past week i gotta tell you (laughs) well thank you i i'm more than happy to uh um spend this time you know i spend most of my day training and so i have all this time off and uh, might as well keep putting it to good use and uh chat to anybody and help anybody with any uh requests they have with anything basically at this point so uh yeah it's it's uh it's been fun really <laughs> really and you know all the different uh um interviewers and uh podcasts have been great in that uh you know in general they're asking new questions and so i don't have to repeat myself 
too much. Uh, that's, that's, that's nice. Yeah. It's nice to be able to tell sort of a different story each time. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, both Cam Levins as well as Alan Brooks. Big thanks to Tracky for their ongoing support. If you want to find us online, you can do so at the Terminal Mile. We're on Twitter and Instagram with that handle. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and of course, tracky.ca. Thanks to you for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Yeah.